Dreaming heavy metal! We rock! But the evil that men do... Clinton! We gonna bang your You are now listening to Music Mania, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest. Featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here are your hosts, the Twins of Chaos, Clint Schweitzer and Paul Lagana. And it is time to dance in the magic light of the desert moon here on the Music Media Podcast. Clint Schweitzer and Paul Lagana as we get ready to welcome our guest this week. He is Mark Kendall, founding member of the band Great White. And they are getting ready to release their new album, Full Circle, here on June 2nd. We're going to take a trip down memory lane with Mark and talk about this new album, Paul. Clint, rock me, baby. Wow, well, I wasn't prepared for that, so <laughs> I guess, and that that's one of my favorite Great White songs. Actually, my, my favorite Great White song has always been Desert Moon, and I'm a big fan uh, of the band's early work, but of course they hit the mainstream with Once Bitten in 87, Twice Shine in 89, and uh, Hooked in uh, 91, but uh, and that, those are sort of the you know the biggest years for the band, but they have history going back to the late 70s when Mark Kendall met Jack Russell for the first time, and uh, right. they, they were a band called Dante Fox at one point before they became Great White in the early 80s. And so they've had quite a run, a lot of ups and downs, of course. So we've had Jack Russell on this show, who, of course, tours um, under the moniker of Jack Russell's Great White. But this is uh, Mark Kendall and, you know, founding guitar player. And Terry Illuz is the singer of uh, Great White now, and he right. does, does a great job. He's from XYZ. And the new album, Full Circle, comes out here on June 2nd. Sounds really good. I really like what he's done. Uh, Mark uh, Michael Wagner is the uh, producer on this thing who's done work with them from way back, 30-plus mm-hmm. years ago. That's so right. great to see Great White still out there, no pun intended. Fascinating story, Clint. I mean, uh, this band here, as you said, started out in the late 70s as Dante Fox, uh, came up in the L.A. club scene, uh, changed to Great White, I believe it was uh, uh, 84, I think it was, and uh, uh, as he'll talk about a little bit, uh, they actually signed one of the first and only bands to get airplay without actually having a record deal. That is true, and they were ringleaders of, of this Hollywood scene, because in the early 80s, when they finally uh, changed the name to Great White, by the time they did that, uh, you know, the hair metal scene hadn't exploded yet. Yeah, you had Motley Crue uh, doing their thing, Quiet Riot had been down there, but uh, Great White, with their unique blend of blues, guitar playing, Jack Russell's, you know, very smooth voice, and uh, synonymous with the Great White sound uh, coming up. Great White achieved mm-hmm. a lot of success, uh, but not until the late 80s, until 87, 89, with Once Bitten and Twice Shy, they were kind of, had to toil around and really work in those clubs and slug it out in the Hollywood scene and they were able to do that and achieve success and to be still out there doing it today all the props in the world to them and Mark Kendall one of my favorite guitarists man from that era always been underrated no doubt. Uh, his 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 tone is unmistakable and the work he was able to do on those great white albums um, then and now very impressive absolutely and and uh, you know props to them for still uh, you know being part of the music scene today and and still going uh, you know going as strong as they possibly can man. well I tell you what without further delay we want to go ahead and welcome our guest at this time it is Mark Kendall and you got the new album it's Full Circle it comes out June 2nd you guys working again with Michael Wagner how cool has that been uh, kind of an apt title for this album coming full circle you know 35 years ago you you know you worked with with him and now here this album is coming out here on June 2nd I know you guys just got to be pumped about this one 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was it was really fun working with Michael Wagner. Um, you know, just being in a different environment, you know, that we weren't used to, and uh, it, it kept our energy at a high level, and we really enjoyed him, and, uh, you know, he's such a high-end pro, and he's, he's really fun to be around. He makes you comfortable, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw him on the cruise, and I was just happy to see him. I actually went to his question-and-answer uh, show that he, he put on uh I, I actually asked questions that I already knew the answers <laughs> because I wanted the I wanted the people to hear some of his stories. You know, he used to get really creative in the studio, getting you know for sound effects. I mean, you know, he was he was the type of person that didn't use sound effects records. He would uh, you know make the sounds himself somehow. You know, if you if you wanted a motorcycle, he'd put mics out in a parking lot or something and have the guy drive it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he, he was all about the the him making the sound. So I, I just wanted to, uh, some people to hear some of those stories. And when I we met up and talked and stuff, um, was basically just saying hello and whatever. And, you know, talked a little bit. And the second time I spoke with him, as I was we said our goodbyes, and as I was walking away, he goes, "Hey, man, why don't we do something together again?" Yeah. And I was like whoa dude that'd be awesome you know and so we just kept in touch and before we knew it we're in Nashville recording so you know we're thrilled with the album and, and the production and everything well this is the follow up to uh, the album you came out with in 2012 which was Elation another really good album received very well by fans and critics but just kind of talk about the process you talk about kind of running into them on the on the Monsters of Rock cruise and uh, Michael Wagner that is just talk about kind of the process of uh, writing and recording this album and you know kind of how uh, similar it was or different it was from doing from doing it you know kind of back in the day well in Elation on Elation we really didn't have any material when we went in the studio except for two song ideas so um, this time we still weren't fully prepared. I mean, we had most of the music done, a lot of the arrangements, but we didn't have hardly any lyrics. So, uh, Michael Wagner's not used to working like that. So, <laughs> you know, he wasn't really loving it. Um, but, you know, the end result, he, he kind of breathed a sigh of relief and he was happy. But uh, normally his routine is he goes and down to a band's rehearsal for a week, you know, works on the songs, and then the band makes a demo, and he works on it for two months, and then they come in there with every note together. We we are a little bit less prepared than that, and uh, but like I said, it all worked out, and the way he records is, is different than what we're used to, but a much better way to record and that is the, um, well, we always, always play together when we record, you know, to get the drums. Sure. But after he get after he gets the drums and bass, then um, he likes to work on one song at a time. And I love that because it eliminates, you know, me or Michael or whoever, you know, having to play like four or five songs in one day. It eliminates the singer having to sing a bunch of songs in a day. If you just work on one song, nobody gets overloaded, you know. So Absolutely. I really like it in that way. And also, you don't lose your focus on any given song. If you're working on that one song, that's, that you know, your vision is all in one place. And I, I 
loved that too. And I obviously, from him doing this for so many years, he figured something out that works well. Uh, certainly so. And I tell you what, Mark, you guys are getting ready to also hit the road. I mean, starting, uh, I believe, June 9th in Highland, California. You guys are got a lot of dates spread out here over the United States, uh, here over the summer and on into September. I mean, I'm sure you guys are, you know, always pumped about getting out there and supporting an album. I think that, uh, a lot of bands go out there and play a lot of these festivals. You got the Rocklahomas, you got the M3s, a lot of bands play. It's wonderful times. But for you guys, being able to go out and promote a new album, that has to be extra special to get out and play some of these, uh, new songs in front of people that uh, are coming out to see you guys. Yeah, you know, that that's really what keeps us motivated is, is, you know, when we come out with new stuff, it, it keeps the band excitement, at, you know, at a higher level. And, you know, so, yeah, you know, we have quite a few shows booked. They're coming in every day. I think we got about 40 shows. And uh, we're going over to the U.K., playing a festival over there and, and some other shows. So, um yeah, we're excited to play this stuff live. We, we kind of wanted to wait until either a little bit before it came out or after it came out, and it turned out that it's going to be after because our next show is not till the night. So, yeah, it, you know, we're, we're definitely pumped. Like I said, we're thrilled with the album, and, you know, it's, it's always a, a little bit of tension to see how people are going to receive it, you know, but... We'll, you know, and that it's been that way our whole career. It's like we might love it, but our other people, you know, you kind of got to pray that other people are going to feel the same. You know, I guess you never really know, but I, I think our fans have a similar taste than we do. And, you know, we really like the songs a lot. So that that's really what we go after. If you ever hear an argument in Great White, it's always to do with the song we're writing. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. we we all fight for the song to be the best it can be. So if there's ever a spat, it's usually over a part in a song, or you know, one guy might not be thinking quite the way the other is. So you know, but um, you know, it, uh, the song always ends up the best at the end of the day, and that's the main thing. Absolutely, and musical spats are always a lot better than the other type of spats. But uh, hey, yeah, Mark, the, dra- the drama factor, yeah, yeah, we're way past all that. Our egos, you know, we check them at the door when we're writing an album and uh, recording and stuff. We, we're always fighting for the song and, and to make it the best it could be. So all the little tiddly bits, you know, that we don't put any energy into stuff like that. Absolutely. So, Mark, take us back a little bit down uh, a trip down memory lane, man, because I'm always fascinated. I'm a little bit older than Clint, but I'm always fascinated on how, you know, you guys, uh, bands in general, get started. I mean, I know you met Jack back in the late 70s. Just kind of talk a little bit about uh, how you guys actually started out. I know it was called Dante Fox at one time. and Just kind of go from there, man. Yeah, you know, well... um Back in that time, the, the the whole music scene was pretty healthy locally, you know, around the L.A. area. Like, Van Halen was playing Backyards, and, you know, there was mm-hmm. just a lot of great bands. And Van Halen always stood out because they, they just worked more than everyone, and that really inspired me. And when I started playing in bands, you know, we kind of made it into Hollywood, but I really wasn't thrilled with the singer, and I, I had heard about Jack, and we got together. And I just ditched my band and, and we went and uh, tried, you know, to make our own band. 
And then he got in a little trouble, so that that two years rolled by, and during that time, I made a band called Dante Fox. Well, when uh, Jack got out of his trouble, he came, auditioned for the band, we loved him, and just moved from there and just played all the shows we could, trying, trying to put ourselves in a good position to get lucky and have the right guy be at the show, and that happened. And uh, I think it was late 81, Alan Niven, who later on uh, down the road became Guns N' Roses manager, but uh, mm. he worked at a record company. He handed us his card the next day. Uh, we went and met him at the record company. Um, his partners ended up not wanting us, so he just kind of bailed on them because he believed in us. Um, you know, and it just kind of went on from there. Uh, before we knew it, we were in the studio with Michael Wagner, called him out from Germany. He didn't know the uh, language, very well so he kind of talked through Dawkins um, and Don Dawkins the one that told Niven about us Niven goes who's the best band in town he goes go see this band you know Dante Fox or whatever I think you're going to like him Niven had actually seen us two other times and told Don I'm not getting it and he goes hey, you're missing it buddy you, you got to <laughs> go again and the third time he saw us we played No Doctor from Humble Pie on the encore and that, believe it or not, that's what sold him. He goes, okay, I get it now. Uh, I can make this work, you know. Unbelievable. But anyway, so I went on from that. Uh, you know, we did we did the EP. It was actually a five-song EP with Michael Wagner. And we got airplay on a song called On Your Knees on the biggest stations in Los Angeles. And that created a buzz right. within the major labels. KMET, I remember man. one. <laughs> I remember yeah. KMET and KLOS real well. I'm from theirs. Yeah, and they they started playing this, and we really didn't have a proper record deal. We we had it was our own label, and we we only had a distribution deal with Green World. So all of a sudden, we're on two of the biggest stations in Los Angeles in heavy rotation with no record deal. So it's it's really crazy how all this went down, but. Um, you know, nine labels uh, bidded on the band, and we had to go see all these labels. And um, we signed with EMI. You know, Judas Priest tour did the White Snake tour. Came home, and we really didn't sell enough records to make them happy. And they were just going to shelve our second record. So, you know, um, we just parted ways. Basically, got dropped in a sense, and. Here we are again. So we made another demo record called Shot in the Dark. Um, that, uh, on that album, we had a song called Face the Day that was uh, actually a cover song and we kind of did it our own way. And um, that got airplay in LA. It was the number five song for the year on KLOS. Right. It got airplay in Texas and Arizona. And again, you know, Niven talked an A and R guy from Capital, who was the father company of EMI America, and we got signed again. Man, I, I, you know, it's just like mind blowing. But uh, that's when we came with a real strong record, basically a do or die record. Uh, and we came with Rock Me and Lady Red Light and all that, and that uh, kind of made our mark. You know, and uh, we got tons of airplay. But part of the problem that got me worried was was uh, Rock Me was such a long song and we haven't really proven ourselves with any kind of hits. So to come out with a seven plus minute song I thought was crazy. 
But what Nevin did is he, you know, sent the song to all the radio stations, or he didn't, but the record company did. And Nevin had the idea just to say it's three fifty nine. So he wrote three. He wrote three minutes and fifty nine seconds, and by the time people figured it out, it was a hit. It was uh, the lights were, you know, flashing on the phone. So. Uh, you know, it was too late to shoot it down, and MTV absolutely would not go for it. Yeah, I mean, they they wouldn't even accept a seven minute song from Madonna at that time. So we had no chance for a seven minute song, and we tried every way you could to edit that song down, and, and nothing sounded natural. So we decided to re-record the song as a five minute version of it. So we recorded "Rock Me," uh, a five minute version of "Rock Me." And nobody ever noticed it, you know. So we we did it good enough to where, you know, we cut out a few parts. We made, I think, the second verse a half verse. But we didn't lose the solo, so I was happy about that. Usually when you cut a song, there goes the solo. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so it became a big song on uh, MTV. And um, so there was a lot of grinding. People might think it's overnight, but, you know, we played clubs for years. you know, and just kind of didn't give up. And, and finally, for playing so often and mostly free, trust me, we played a lot of free shows. I mean, I, the first time we played the Troubadour, we packed the place and made $6 total. <laughs> I'm going, oh, oh, so this is rock and roll, huh? <laughs> you know? yeah. But uh, it's just funny. So we we played free, so we'd give ourselves a better chance to get lucky and get discovered. And, and it you know, finally the right guy was in the crowd, you know. And, I mean, stuff like this doesn't have to happen, you know. So our stars did line up, and I'm grateful for that. But we did work for it. Of I course. Can tell you that much. We worked, we worked for it. And, and this is a band that has so much talent in it. You guys were so different. You talk about being kind of an L.A. band coming up in the early 80s, really before uh, the hair metal scene really took over the Sunset Strip, but you guys were different. You sounded different. Of course, these days, it's a lot of people will lump Great White in with and every band that came from that era, of course. I mean, it makes sense, but you guys were really kind of the ringleaders of this. You talked about Van Halen playing the you know the, the Pasadena house parties. I mean, you guys were playing clubs on the Sunset Strip really before it became popular to do that, and then so many other bands came after you guys. I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing that a lot, a lot of people don't realize about Great White. You guys were really the ringleaders of, of that whole scene. Yeah, well, one thing we, you know, we didn't we didn't lead anything, but because we ran into the right people who were great business people, we were able to, I think we, in fact, I'm almost positive we're the first non-signed band to get heavy rotation on the biggest stations in L.A., that, that, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, you know, the whole hair band metal thing, I, I think the re, it's kind of an easy escape for a journalist to just, call the whole 80s uh, hair metal which is fine um, but I, I attribute us being called the hair metal band because we look like all of them right. we're all using the hair, same, same hairspray the same guy was making clothes for Judas Priest Motley Crue and Great White and Brad, you know right. so you, you know so as far as the fashion goes I, yeah you know I mean you know it's like bell bottoms in the 70s and bees <laughs> were popular too you know no but it really didn't dictate what kind of music we play. That's where people get confused. You know, they're going, I hear the blues in there. That's not really, you know, that doesn't sound like poison, you know, or, or, or you know. So 
the reason we sound the way we do is we all have different influences. I'm influenced by all the blues guys, you know. Michael Lardy likes like Billy Joel and Elton John. Uh, my drummer's into death metal. You know, <laughs> Jack was. <laughs> Jack is like pure Led Zeppelin boy, you know. So when we all played together, it made a certain sound, and that's that's where the music stems from. Not not because you know I told one journalist my hair has never written a song, <laughs> you know. So it, it's it, our look or whatever. Just like any band, it really doesn't have anything to do with your hair or what or your look. But I, I know what they mean. They're saying you know the kind of the the very predictable uh, song where you know what the chorus is almost going to say before it happens. You know what I mean? No doubt. So I totally get that, but we're, I think our, our music is a little deeper, but you know, uh, without the risk of sounding braggy, but it, it's, it's, it's because of our influences, you know? Um, right. I, I you know, always when thought, I play with us, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I just thought, I always thought you guys sounded a lot more unique than uh, those 80s hair bands coming up, man. I mean, you know, like you said, with the blues uh, influence and that type of thing. So you're absolutely right. Even though you were, you came up in the 80s and maybe, you know, a journalist will lump you guys together, I, I always thought that you guys, yeah. you know, that it, it was an absolute unique sound. Yeah. Even Eddie Trunkett said that. I uh he was in our documentary. He said the thing that separated us was that that blues quality, you know, sure. uh, that that kind of had a, a different different look, you know, if you will, than some of the other bands. But um, it, like I said, it doesn't mean we're better or whatever. It just, you know, that it, it's our influences. I mean, I grew up. When I was 14 years old, it was like I thought Carlos Santana was the only guitar player in the world. I mean, I was, you know, yeah. I was in a band. I was in a band that only played Santana. I insisted on it because he was the greatest. But then I moved up to you know Johnny Winter, Billy Gibbons, uh, you know Richie Blackmore. I mean, but most almost every guitar player that I ever fell in love with uh, all were really soulful. I mean, they squeezed notes like nobody else and and played from the heart and soul or whatever. Um, so that's where, uh, that's what made me love the guitar is, is those guys, you know. Well, um, Mark, I want to ask you about uh, your current vocalist, Terry Illus, and he's someone that uh, I knew very yeah. well from XYZ. He uh, filled in on some sure. select dates back in 2009, filling the seat of a, of a guy like Jack Russell that had such a such a you know magnetic voice, a voice that's very synonymous with uh, those great white songs. To, uh, talk about yeah. him and kind of what he brings to the band, man, because I think he knocks these songs out of the park. And the new ones, I just heard the album uh, this week, the new album, Full Circle. He sounds so good. I'm a huge fan of his. I loved XYZ, and I love him in this band, Mark. Yeah, well, his voice, you know, um, with XYZ, I wasn't really that familiar with XYZ, except for uh, Inside Out. Yeah. I remember that song. I heard it on the radio and loved it, you know, it's a really good song. Well, listening to a lot more material from them, occasionally his voice and the, and the songs were a little bit oil and water, and I feel the reason for that is because he is truly a blues singer for to the core. I mean, he's a blues rock singer. He's like uh, Ian Gillen meets Paul Rogers meets, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Hughes or something, you know, um, and, and a little bit of Steve Marriott, you know. So, um, 
when he was filling in, I, I kind of fell in love with that right away because that's kind of the school I come from. And um, so I know his strengths, and that is, you know, in the power region of his voice. But, um, yeah, uh, what he brings is, uh, for one thing, really positive energy. He's always upbeat. Um, he's a great songwriter. So he, he uh, we listen to all those ideas with open ears. Um, you know, he plays guitar pretty decent. He has great sense of melody. I can literally hand him music and he can come back with a song. You know, we might change the thing here and there, but... Uh, he, he really has a, he's a great pocket singer. And I don't just mean he sings with the drummer great. Yes, he does. But where he places his vocal is sometimes I go, God, I would have never done that. That is so mm -hmm. cool, you know? So he has a little bit of that Al Green vibe where, you know, and he listened, he told me he listened to a lot of R&B singers growing up. He, you know, he listened to Al Green and all those, all those R&B singers, you know? Um, yeah. So, so he brings a lot. We didn't really want a clone. We wanted uh, the Mach Two, you know, kind of like the way Deep Purple uh, brought in Coverdale and Glenn Hughes, you know. Um, you know, they made one of the best albums of the career, apart from that that first uh, Machine Head record. I mean, nothing's going to beat that. But I really felt Burn was a super strong record, and and the songs were just amazing. So. The more we play with Terry, the more we write, it just keeps getting better. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to doing the next one. I, I think hmm. we can keep beating the last one, you know what I mean? Oh, that's uh, absolutely, and it's always a great. White's always been a band, always moving forward. And you guys are always, you know, a very fan friendly band. It's just, I really am so glad you guys are um, out here doing this. Cannot um, wish you. Enough luck on this new album, Full Circle, which, guys, comes out June uh, the 2nd. And I'll tell you what, you can go to officialgreatwhite.com and get all the details on that. Pre-order the thing, probably on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, maybe even a physical CD in there. I don't know if they they still make yeah, those. <laughs> you know, and also, also when you know when you order off of the, uh, you know, I think we're at 35 stores. So, yes, yeah, so you can get it anywhere as far as downloads. I mean, there's nowhere you can't get it. And you can actually pre-order it on the 21st of May. But if you get the hard copy, the CD, uh, off our website, officialgreatwhite.com, um, it's accompanied with a making of video. We literally hired a company called Rockslide Media into the studio. So they had cameras rolling like the whole time so you can actually watch the songs develop and watch us, you know, how we make records, you know. And I just thought that'd be fun for the fans to come behind the scenes and actually, you know, watch the band record, watch us argue, watch, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, there's not a lot of arguments, so I just kind of joke. Yeah, yeah, well, um, you, might, you might, you can manufacture can make, some, you know, you can, you can make them up if they don't, if they don't happen naturally. It's just like reality TV. I mean, they can, you can see yeah, what you want to see. It's great <laughs> to bring, yeah, we've never done it before. Um, actually brought the fans in the studio so they can see see how we record and stuff and they interview Wagner and all of us and um, and plus you can actually watch the songs grow you know see where we're at and then you listen to the CD and you're going okay and now I see how they write and how they record and whatever I just thought it'd be something a little extra for the fans to uh, you know because our meet and greets are so structured 
That's yeah. why I love those monsters and rock cruises, you know, when you can uh, go out and just meet 4,000 people out of the deck or whatever. It, it's so fun to hear their stories and everything. And, and it's not really our fault. We've we always treated our, our fans, you know, with, you know, the ultimate respect. Sure. We're so, so happy and grateful for them. Um, on these cruises, we really, it, it's just a joy to meet everybody and not be so you know, structured and the meet and greet, you meet 20 people and they go flying through the line. Um, so this is just a way to give back a little to them and, and you know, uh, bring them, you know, it's beyond backstage, you're watching us record, so... So if you do get the hard copy, it'll come with that. Yes, that is awesome. I want everyone to go to officialgreatwhite.com. You can get all the information on that. I tell you what, Mark Kendall, one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Thank you so much for joining us. we got to get uh, you guys here to the Midwest here. We're in Kansas City, Missouri. We've uh, seen you guys here before. It's been since, I believe, oh nine since uh, you've been here with uh, Great White. So we got to get you here, man. I'm going to have to get on my agent's case <laughs> and get out there. Hey, we love Thanks, it. Clinton, we Paul. Thank you, Clint and Paul, and uh, it was great talking with you guys. Now, Mark, Thanks for Mark thank you. Rock, buddy. You bet. Rock on. Best yeah. of luck with this new album. We'll catch you somewhere out there in the stratosphere on this tour. Somewhere, if you don't get to Kansas City, we'll come find you, my man. Good luck. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. See you, Mark. That was Mark Kendall of the band Great White. Clint, the guy was absolutely unbelievable in his storytelling of uh, not only what he's doing now, but uh, back in the days, man. Well, it took us down a, you know, a trip down memory lane, Paul, back to, to your time, back to the right. growing up in the 70s and early 80s Love in it. Los Angeles, a time that you had to have been there and seen to believe. Oh, I believe. It, it, again, I can't stress enough what that scene was like back in the days, man. I mean, I was just getting out of high school. Uh, the parties, <laughs> the, the bands. The music, I mean, yeah. yeah. And the music still lives today. I mean, and, and Mark is a perfect example of that, man. Well, Paul, we're getting ready to embark on our second straight uh, trip to cover the Rocklahoma Festival, which is uh, three days coming up here in Pryor, Oklahoma where uh, Great White was actually played last year. Um, this year we're going to see bands you know, like Def Leppard, Slaughter, Fozzie, uh, Three Days Grey, Soundgarden. Uh, of course, we got Rat, a Reunited Rat, Jackal coming up. What a, what a whirlwind it's going to be for us as we get set to head out on this uh, journey. You and I once again doing it, Music Mania Podcast, bringing it to the fans just like we always said we would, and that's what we do here is... That's we what relate to these fans, the little, what, the few we have. Absolutely, that's what we're here for, man. I mean, uh, this is why we do this because these bands. I mean, both today, what they're doing today, and back then. Uh, this Rocklahoma is a perfect example of of uh, you know both new and old, man. So yeah, it is. So let's it's get it started, mix. brother. Ten years ago, Paul. Uh, as just a fan, as a fan of these bands, as a fan of '80s uh, rock, uh, you know, I'm you know using that term very loosely, but that's what this festival started as—a celebration of kind of that '80s genre. And I went there, and I paid my money, and I slept in a tent for three days, and I watched bands like Poison, I watched bands like White Lion and Quiet Riot, right. and Dokken and Winger and Slaughter, and I, you know, slept in the rain. I it was blazingly hot right. and i did that in my early 20s now my early 30s 10 years later it was 10 years ago that this all happened now 10 years later to sit in the cushy media tent to talk to these bands to bring the story to the fans it's like it's an all-encompassing situation for me personally because i sat out there as a fan i am a fan i will always be a fan um and now just to be able to to have this voice to to sort of connect people with this genre there's nothing bigger and or better for me and to have you alongside me my partner in crime 
That's right. You and Eddie Trunk, by the way. Eddie yes, Trunk yes, sir. has been there for the entire 10 years as well, so I'm sur- sure he's got some stories. He never well, slept man. in a tent, though, I'm going to guess. No, probably not. Uh, he might have slept in the mud last year. <laughs> I mean, from what, there was a lot of, yeah. there was some weather last year. I hope you don't run into that again. <laughs> anyway, uh, everybody needs to get out. If you can't get to Rocklahoma, man, go, go see a show somewhere, brother, because this is what we're... This is where it's at. Absolutely. This is the Music Mania Podcast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes or YouTube. Thanks so much for checking us out. Uh, send us your tweets at musicmania underscore show. Find us on Facebook. We're pretty much everywhere. Hit us up and enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be lovely. Get out there and rock about with your cock about.